Thanks for plugging your ears with your own headphones. Now, following my voice is Bob with the Bobcast. Hi, I'm Bob Cahill. No, that's Bob Cahill. And welcome to the Bobcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. You know, tonight's guest, uh, a couple months ago, was queried to me by a friend, Mr. Joe Stengel, who's been on the podcast before. And myself, I'm a big practitioner of uh, altruism. Uh, when I go to the grocery store on Saturdays and Sundays, I look for somebody to help on my way out. It makes me feel good about myself because I'm doing something and not asking anything in return. And I think we need more about that, more stuff like that in the world. Tonight's guest is a world-traveling hugger high-fiver. He's hugged over 350,000 people in 50 states and 36 countries. And basically, he's just doing it to make people smile. Uh, I'm very excited for him to come here tonight. We're going to talk about uh, his book, Traveling at the Speed of Life, and his upcoming graphic novel, The Real Life Adventures of Big Dave. With that being said, please welcome to the podcast, David Hale Sylvester. How are hey, you, sir? Hey, what's up, everybody? And my co-host this evening, my favorite student from my tenor at the Colonial School District, <laughs> excuse me, the Colonial School District, Mr. Joseph Stingle. Hey, what's going on? Um, so, Welcome. By the way, I uh, I brushed up on your story. I uh, I was completely, you know, I, I was really inspired by it because at first Stingle called me up and he was just like, I got somebody to be really good. And I was like, God, don't tell me nothing about it, you know, because I, I like to like kind of go in, not know much, you know, but today I was just like, let me check this guy out real quick, you know, so I have like a gist of it, read the whole story. I didn't go too deep into it, but the gist of it it's is... It's all lies. Don't worry about it, man. It, it's all right. Um, so basically your story starts... On September of September eleventh, two thousand one. Yes. What happened? Um, well, I mean, I think everyone knows what happened. I mean, the uh, World Trade Center uh, attacks happened, and uh, I lost uh, a very good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something about it. I mean, I think my story, the incident happened on September eleventh. I think my story really starts on September twelfth. That's when I decided I wanted to do something. Not necessarily mm-hmm. exactly on that day, but I had this this urge to do something after I lost my friend Kevin Bowser and I um, ultimately decided to ride my bicycle across the United States. Um, I flew out to Washington State and uh, I biked from Astoria, Oregon all the way to Philadelphia and it was um, it was a great two-month trip. Mm-hmm. I was raising money for a scholarship fund in my friend's name and I guess more importantly, more than anything, I was going out, uh, getting the hugs that I wanted, getting the high fives that I wanted, getting uh, getting the, the the comfort that I needed. You know, I was just getting I was getting all of that, you know, mm-hmm. in <clears throat> in droves, you know, from different people throughout. I think I biked 13 states on that tour and it was uh it was just great many of those states were the first time that i had been to those states um but the interesting thing was that i was you know i was all of a sudden the the point person for a lot of people throughout the country that had never been to new york that didn't lose anybody on september 11th that had you know as one woman uh in wyoming you know put it she's like you know how big were the world trade centers and Hmm. i said you know what's the biggest building you've ever seen? And she said, well, I've never left Wyoming. And she said, 
seven floors. You know, oh, she had no and idea. And so I was like, hmm. "Wow!" So I was like, "Oh, take you know, take ten buildings, stack them around like that, and then you know, whatever." And and she was like, "For real? Is that big? Two of them?" I said, "Yeah, man. The buildings are huge." So for a lot of people, you know, I was my life was just sort of uh, helping people deal with it, you know, as I was dealing with it, you know, uh, that that summer after September 11th, I think we as Americans, we all over the world were um, as united Mm -hmm. as anything uh, because you didn't because we were very vulnerable at that point. We realized, hey, listen, man, we weren't we weren't this impregnable uh, force that, you know, we can be touched and touched in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, uh, and so all of a sudden, you know, I was having a deeper understanding of people. People were, you know, asking these very probing questions about my friend, mm-hmm. about our friendship, about the fact that I would take off work and, uh, was going to, you know, you know, dedicate two months of my life to this. You know, and so it was just interesting. And so what happened was by the time I got back, I uh, I saw how much that, you know, my actions meant to people, you know, and it was just I, I was came back and I was just stunned by it. I was stunned as I was talking to my friends about the conversations that I had. You know, they were like, wow, this is really this is a lot more than what you bargained for. And I said, yeah. And then I started getting emails and calls and letters from people that read a story on me, uh, ran on the uh, <clears throat> on the Philadelphia Inquirer. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it was like people went into great detail about what my actions did, you know, how they were inspired. One person said that they were, you know, going to become a big brother, just become a big brother because That's of what I did. <laughs> and uh, another person said they were going to work in a community garden. Another person said they were going to do this. You know, it was just, it was all of this stuff. I mean, one person sent me a picture of their grad school application and said, I've been afraid to, to fill it out, you know, <clears throat> until I read your article and um, I'm going to fill it out today. And, you know, good luck to us both. So all of a sudden here, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my thing, honoring my friend. But all of a sudden, it's not all about me. It's not, it's, it's, it's about other, other people. All of a sudden, by me doing my thing, working through my pain or whatever, all of a sudden that, you know, I'm tethered to all of these good deeds and good actions that are happening, not just in Philadelphia, they're happening all over the world. I yeah. mean, these emails and stuff that we're getting from all over. So I wanted to do more. And, um, I heard about this bicycle race that went across Africa and, you know, before we get to that part, I have sure, a question sure, about sure. the other, so the first, uh, as you get on your bike for the first time and you decide that you want to go across the country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where did the hug come from? The traveling hug, right? Um, well, because it comes in as a prerequisite. Let me just like tell you, like hugging, there. right? When you came in tonight, I was like, "Give me a hug." Right. You know what I mean? Now, only because I was carrying a pizza, man. Stop lying. <laughs> no, no, it's all it's all good. No, I, this pizza does smell really good. It's from Vino's here in Lafayette Hill. I hadn't had or seen a slice of that in a long time. It makes me, you know, salivate at the mouth. I'm currently not eating bread, so uh, it oh, is what it is. But um, no, no, totally fine, totally fine. Um, but what I was saying about hugging, people don't hug no more, man. You know, people don't hug anymore. And that mm-hmm. was the one thing looking back on it. Like I said, this mm-hmm. didn't start off as, 
Dave hugging his way across America. I mean, that came much later on that you'll hear. So that came a little later. Okay. It did, but... So you traveled and just was, spoke about what yeah, was happening to you. Yeah, people, speaking to people. But that is what, what people wanted to do. Like an they emotional wanted, missionary. Like, hey, can I give you a hug? Mm. You know, because, you know, oh, they were like, what are you doing on your bike in the middle of, you know, Twin Falls, Idaho, or, you know, Idaho Falls, or, mm-hmm. you know, Lusk, Wyoming. It's like, oh, my friend died on September 11th, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, can I give you a hug? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hugging people all, all over the country, mm-hmm. from all over the country. I'm tourists and stuff like that. You know, when I was <clears throat> in, uh, where was I? I was in Illinois and I met a bunch of tourists. Uh, no, excuse me, the Dells in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I was at a restaurant and these people were from, they were from somewhere in the Midwest. And they were just like, oh, my God. And they brought other people over to give me a hug. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I was getting hugs the whole time. Like I said, I didn't overtly, you know, uh, go after hugs or start counting hugs until Mm -hmm. much later on in the story. But that's what was happening. I see. And, you know, and it continued to happen when I went after uh, for my next trip that I did when I bicycled Africa. You know, I went and I bicycled from Cairo to Cape Town. And yeah, so that's amazing, that my, by the way. Uh, that was my next trip that I you did. You did that all by yourself? I did not. I okay. was part of a, a race that um, that existed. And I was, I was the only one I was doing it for the reasons that mm-hmm. I was doing it. But I did it, and it was, it was an amazing experience. You know, it was bicycling Africa, going to Africa was the best decision of my life. You know, everyone says, oh, my kids were the best decision, best thing of my life. I don't have kids. Kind of a little overrated to me. Um, so, <clears throat> so yeah, so uh, bicycling Africa was the best decision of my life. I mean, it was an amazing experience. And how long and did that take? Five and a half months, you know. Yeah. And it was, uh, and that's a long time to be away from home, away, away from your untethered, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, and you find yourself in those five and a half months, mm-hmm. you know, you find, you figure out who you are, you yeah. figure out, is this really worth, is this really what I want to do? And it really was what I wanted to do, uh, because I met so many people and again, people in Africa, why are you doing this? Yeah. And I would say, oh, I lost my friend on September 11th. And, you know, the first thing people want to do is give me a hug. Mm-hmm. And the next thing they wanted to do was tell me about your friend. Yeah. Tell me, you actually know? tell me about your friend. Kevin uh, was a twin and Kevin and Kelvin were, they were the first coolest guys that I met, you know, they your were childhood years, friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were 10 years older than me and, um, and they were just cool dudes, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, when you are a kid, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you have brothers? Yeah. I don't see. I don't have a. I have just have an older sister, and I mm-hmm. always wanted an older brother, someone I could wrestle with, someone I could yeah. just you know pal around with. And uh, Kevin and Kelvin were the brothers that I was looking for. And mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and ten years is a huge difference when you're a kid. Yeah, definitely. But these guys never made me feel ten years younger. I always knew I was younger. I mm-hmm. never knew, but I never really knew it was a ten year age gap until until his funeral. When I was looking at, you know, when he was born and stuff like that. And I was looking, I was like, holy shit. Like, we, oh, wait, can I curse? You can say whatever you want here, man. Holy shit. I was like, man, Mm -hmm. he's 10 years older than me. Like, and I was just like, I was, 
but I they, they never made me feel. And never that. you never felt the no. the age gap, the difference. And it was just like, mm-hmm. and it was, and it was a beautiful friendship. I you mean, got brother. Friendship. You got two brothers, right? One brother. One brother. He's older. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the older brother. Okay. Yeah. So it was just great. So I learned from these guys. You know, Kevin and Kelvin were there for every every juncture of my life, every crucial juncture. Yeah. You know, football games, graduations. Mm-hmm. You know driving lessons this that and the other i mean it was just you know you know when you're a kid and you have and you leave the house your mom wants to know where you're going this that and the other you know well back then kids don't leave the house now you're absolutely right we left the house you know so, i think right, your I generation would, left the house as well right you guys went out and played right, right. kids don't go outside no more it's right well, i mean when unless, i left you know you know and i said i'm going to see kevin and kelvin my mom's like yeah okay yeah Right. But now it's a totally different world, which is, you know, I don't... It is a totally I'm 39. Different world. How old are you? I am 50-something. 50 well, we basically 50. grew up in the same right, era. Right, right, We had the same means, you know. Somebody called after 8 o'clock. It's like, who, who's calling the house right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why right. is somebody calling my phone right, right now? Be when, home when the streetlights come on, When primetime's on, you That's know what right. I mean? Yeah. Be home when the streetlights on. That's a good name for... That'd be a good name for a podcast. Yeah. Be home when the streetlights come right. on. That's it, so... I miss that era so much, you know? And I think... In hindsight, that those generations were the ones that were particularly affected by 9/11. I didn't know how to deal with it per se. I, I was it was my first week of college, and uh, I'm like, here we go, Temple University. And by the way, you're alumni, right? Yep. Boom. Temple, Temple Owls. Here we go, baby. Coming together. We're all three owls right now. Temple U. Three owls in this place. It, man. The owl's nest. Did you yep. also know that the owl? Anywhere. The owl doesn't make its own nest it invades it sees a nest you know in Lafayette Hill and it's like nope taking that one go move out go make another one we're in here now nice. I don't feel that way about me with Temple though but I mean per se though I remember um, I remember waking up and my dad saying to me Bob you gotta turn on the news watch watch what happened and I I watched it I was shocked I was stunned and then for some odd reason all these years later I can never contemplate why I still went and got on the R6 to go down the temple as soon as i got to temple university they were like look we're canceling classes everyone is evacuating and it was just a weird time you know it was a weird time i vividly remember i was working at the uh at the uh, ymca downtown and i uh, initially called out of work uh well um not sick i called out well um it was such a beautiful day that was a beautiful day that um, I decided I was going to ride my bike all day. And so I called my clients. I'm a personal trainer. And I said, you know, normally people call out sick, but I'm calling out well. It's too beautiful of a day to be stuck in. You know, I'm going to use that, by the way. I call them personal (laughs) days. And personal days kind of seems like very evasive to some coworkers. Like a personal day. What do you need a personal day for? I'm going to say, no. We're calling out well, man. Calling out well. Yeah, man, fuck it. So We need that more here, right? man. And we so, need that. And it was okay? funny because my client, I remember my one client, uh, Deirdre, she uh, she was like, for real? I said, yeah, it's too nice. I'll see you. And I'll see you. I agree 100%. I'll see you later on in the week, man. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. They do that in Europe. In fact, they take months off at a time. You well, know? listen, we need to do that here. So, People yeah, will be so more I relaxed. Out and, uh, and then right as I was listening to Howard Stern... And yeah. So you heard that broadcast, <clears throat> right? Wow. I heard. No, wow, that's a that's a hell of a way to find out. Yeah. And said something happened at the World Trade Center, and then you know he's like, "Oh, it's just a joke." Mm-hmm. And then Howard's like, "Oh shit, this is not a joke. Like this is for real. This is for real. You can and watch that on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's powerful, powerful it's, radio. It's, it really is. And so, um, 
because he's a jokester and to see him come down to that human level you know what I mean like he's a comedian at yeah, heart it, it got very but, you know, very very quick and I forgot it was in the middle of like a Pamela Anderson joke it was like a Pamela Anderson yeah. joke yeah. and then someone came in and said and it was like it was almost like a sideline mm-hmm. the whole time and then there's that moment when it just switches yeah and like I guess you said too people thought it was a hoax because people don't some people don't realize that I think it was what maybe 10 9 years before there was a uh, bomb went off in the garage of the World Trade Center and you know I think that that's like people are like oh no it's just you know it's a hoax but as we know you know it was the, I guess yeah it is the nation's worst tragedy right so you know I had gone to uh, the the gym where I worked was mm-hmm. connected to a municipal building mm-hmm. and as a manager you know, I was like, let me go down there and make sure that, you know, if we have to evacuate the building or whatever, whatever. So I, I went to work after that. And I vividly remember as people are leaving the building, everyone's looking up and yeah. wondering if we're next, mm-hmm. you know. And that was a, that was a odd feeling. It was an odd feeling. It was a scary feeling. It was really scary because there was somebody that said, I see a plane. I see a plane. Oh, Jesus. And you know, and it was one of those things that everyone's looking up and he's just yelling because I guess he thought I thought the shit was funny, I guess. I don't know. And I uh, ran over and I pushed him down and I said, motherfucker, you don't see a fucking plane, mm-hmm. you know. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, look, man, this shit ain't this ain't playtime, man. Yeah, this ain't playtime. This, is, this, is, this isn't playtime. And um, the trains were yeah. were shut down. Yep. So I didn't live too far from the gym. So I had an apartment full of people that couldn't get home uh, and were just included in the television, looking at the television. Yeah. You know, and if you remember, cell phones weren't working. Nah. Right. No. So everybody was, was like, oh, so man, everyone was they got us isolated. And, you know, the one thing I think that was probably the last tragedy where um, we had to turn to each other for comfort in in solace you know now if something goes down we immediately go to your phone we go to your phone how you old were you single 25 and how old were you in uh, 2001 uh 2001 it was the week before my eighth birthday wow yeah. i can't imagine processing that as a young boy it was i mean i was a little bit just mad that i wasn't allowed to watch nickelodeon mm. um that reminds me of Pete Davidson. You know, Pete Davidson's dad passed away. He's got a joke about his dad died, but he got an Xbox and he was cool with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And it's morbid in a way. But it was definitely weird, but if it's, you know, I had been on a plane before that, and, you know, I just saw how airports changed. I saw how life changed. Mm-hmm. Um, even just, like, the weird facts that I remember before that, asking my mom, I said, did you grow up in a war? I was five. Yeah. And she's like, I did. Yeah. And I was like, which war? And she's like, the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, right. But she was, um, I think she was right around my age. Right around your age, yeah. When I was, when they were ending Vietnam and we were getting into uh, Afghanistan. And I was like, was it scary all the time? And she's like, no. And like, it was just like a real weird thing that it was, I was entering life at the most questioning part of your life, the three to eight years old, where the world was changing yeah so we had a lot of questions that's a lot to deal with as a kid you know yeah, I remember being like growing up yeah. I remember you know you would look at the news when I would look at the news 
um, with my family, <clears throat> they would have body counts. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And even then, even though it was war, because it was on TV, because it wasn't, it was Vietnam, real. It didn't, it didn't seem that real. It was real, but it wasn't real. It was almost like it didn't, you know, it, it was felt just, like you were a world away. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, <clears throat> but all of that was, you know, taken away. That buffer was taken away on September 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, <clears throat> having an apartment full of people, you know, uh, going, looking to each other for comfort looking to each other for for uplifting looking just looking to each other i mean that was like i said that's probably the last the last tragedy i mean you look at any pictures of any tragedies now i mean people have their cell phones out people are taking pictures for whatever reason people are you know we're addicted to these phones and it's like you know and you know we should i think we should be more about people it's funny you say that because um so i'm a strict no cell phone in the car guy like i'll Mm -hmm. put it down and i don't touch it you know and i count on the way to work i take 476 and Mm -hmm. it's only a little stretch of road that i'm on i count maybe 22 people not staring at the road looking at their cell phone like what are you going to do when you get to work look at your cell phone look at yourself wait till you get there huh put it down yeah so it's uh yeah it's crazy so i mean you know just sitting in my apartment you know, trying to figure this all out, looking at the replay over and over, over and, and over, over again. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. And so, you know, like I said, I, I wanted to do something. And then after I did something and then saw the effect that that had on mm-hmm. people, I wanted to do more. So I biked Africa and, you know, Africa, you know, I came back, I was tired, you know, yes, from cycling. I was, uh, you know, sore from all of that cycling. I was everything that you could imagine. But the thing I wasn't was I wasn't tired of it. You wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep going. You know, and I, I, you know, my mother saw it right off the bat. You know, when I saw her and uh, before she even gave me a hug, she said, I, I hope you get some rest before you go back out there. Those were her first words to me when I got back home. Yeah. You know, because she could see it in my eyes. Like, I was I was ready to go. And it was, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was thrilling. And so I was trying to figure out what trip I should do next. And I decided I was going to bike South America next. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh. But, you know, <clears throat> I was going to go from Cali, Colombia to Ushiba, Argentina, the planet's southernmost city. And because there was a Philadelphia woman that just biked from Alaska to Ushiba and she did it in 358 days. Wow. And it's just um, Kristen. Oh, my God. What is Kristen's last name? Earthcycle.org is her website. You all should go to it. This woman is just truly badass uh, to do what she did mm-hmm. <clears throat> to bike solo. Um, in 358 days, really just a, a, a beautiful story. Anyway, I was going to take part of her route and bike South America, but a couple of days before I was slated to go, I was hit by a drunk driver. Oh uh, man. In a car hit by a drunk driver. Were you badly injured? Uh, yeah. I limped a little bit to this day. The prognosis wasn't good initially. They said I wasn't going to walk again. Uh, certainly not ride my bicycle again. And, and this is where, again, where the story, you know, my story is very much about, even though, it may be hugs and high fives. I mean, it really, a hug and high five is nothing more than, you know, another way of saying a call and response, you know, in yeah. order, you know, in order to, 
you know, if I put my arms out for a hug, you have to respond. Same thing if I put my hand up, you have to respond. And I mean, you know, my story very much is a call and response. I have done things and people have responded. And when I got hurt by the drunk driver, I got emails, calls, flowers. I got stuff. I don't even know how they got <laughs> you know, these in touch. Got my knew where you were, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was just amazed by this. I mean, there were people. This is like MySpace era country, too, right? Yeah, people in countries I hadn't even been to. Wow. That found out. Right. This is MySpace, MySpace yeah. era, and I don't even yeah. think I'm not the most. Um, you know, adept person at social media and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, though I should say I'm the human high five when Instagram, everybody should follow me. The human high five. One more time. The drop drop some of them hashtags. You got got a couple hashtags, the human high five, the number five. Um, and, um, you know, people, it was, it was amazing. It was beautiful. I mean, you know, probably the, one of the most beautiful things that I got was in the mail was a rock. So it was, it was funny. I opened up the envelope and there's a little rock. And I was like, well, shit, this is very Charlie Brown-esque. You know, that I get this rock. And um, and there was a story. And it said, hey, listen, heard you're down. Um, and it said, you know, when I was going to, I think the person's fourth grade, they were going to a spelling test that they didn't uh, study for. Oh, and, wow. And they couldn't afford another bad grade, you know, because they got into trouble with their parents for... Uh, some other bad grades and they couldn't afford another bad grade. They saw this rock outside the school because it stood out from all the others mm-hmm. and they made a wish on that rock uh, that if they got a good grade that they would, uh, you know, they would turn around and study every day. I think the guy got it 89 and uh, and he said he's kept this rock his whole life. He's now an attorney, blah, 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 blah. And he said, I'm really touched by your story, but I think you need this rock more than I do now. Hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, when is a rock when it's not a rock? You know, when it has a great story attached to it. And so, you know, or Dwayne I, Johnson. I got right. I felt so unworthy mm-hmm. of all of this that, you know, when I, I initially wanted to walk and ride my bike and do stuff and get back to being me for these people. More so than myself, you know, because I, I felt like I had this groundswell of report uh, of uh, groundswell of support um, cheering me on. And I just wanted to I just wanted to move for these people. So, you know, I did what I had to do to get through therapy and a year through uh, physical therapy. And then, you know, a year to the day of the accident, I was bicycling across Asia. I was on a bicycle trip going from Istanbul to Beijing and that yeah I saw that on your map on your website which you can check uh, out davidhalesylvester.com davidhalesylvester.com you can see uh, a map of everywhere he's been I was going to ask you too you were in the Soviet Union Uh, I went through uh, the Republic of Georgia which at one point was the you know part of the Soviet Union yeah so Russia but no I was not I'm still in there you know (laughs) No, I'm not Sylvester Stallone, you know, yeah. fighting Drago. Yeah, I, could, I mean, I could talk about that movie uh, at length. I love I the movie love so much. Movie, I love that movie so much that my parents took me to my first concert at the Valley Forge Music Center, James Brown. Really? For the Living in America tour. And I never forget it. 
I um, the thing that was so unique about that venue was that it was in the round. Yep. So you watch James Brown in the middle of this floor just kill it, you know. And he did the whole. He had the outfit from Rocky Four and everything, you know. And um, I made uh, uh, this, you know, eight by ten piece of paper drawing of James Brown. I spent like a week on it, colored as you know, blue, red, white, you know. And like the guys were coming around, and like I remember, like they were just like taking all this like stuff from people, putting it in trash bags. And I was just like, please let James Brown see that, you know, because <laughs> I love that movie so much. And like I was so affected by it because I think that was the first time he dies. Yeah. He dies. And I was too young to see that, I think. I think I was six or seven. And when uh, Apollo Creed died, it was like I died with him. You know? It was rough, I couldn't man. understand I it, man. I was younger. It was just, you know. Yeah. I remember the theater. The people were, like, screaming in the theater. Yeah, people were upset. Because, see, the thing, too, is it's like, you know, I mean, like, I do this now with, with uh, films. I don't watch the trailers no more. So I just saw the film Us, and you said the word tethered twice. Uh -huh. um, I didn't see any trailers. I don't watch the trailers no more. Back in the day, you didn't know shit about these movies. They come out, and you would never know that Apollo Creed's going to die before the second act begins. And uh, I never forget it, man. It was like a traumatic. I probably still have PTSD from it. But you know what they say, man. If I can change, if you we can, can change. change. <laughs> we can you know? all change. Did you see uh, Creed 2? I did not see Creed 2. Uh, definitely check it out. Okay. Definitely. It's, I mean, if you're a fan of Rocky Four and, you know, you pronounce, you know, your love for it, like, you'll, yeah, you'll love it'll, that. Rocky, it's, it's a great movie. There's one scene. I won't spoil it for you, but i just tell you, literal goosebumps. Okay. You know, just, just like you're seeing these characters together again for the first time. And I don't know, 25, 30, I have no idea. But all right. the crazy thing, out. too, is uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a really lousy score, man. Really? It's got like a 32 or a 41. I can't remember. But it just don't make sense to me. All right. Sorry. Check it out. I go off on tangents sometimes. Don't worry about it. We all yeah. do. We all do. So where was I? So Africa, you were like, Asia. yeah, you did that Istanbul. Asia, yeah. Right. What's, what's that like, man? Um, Asia was a tougher trip. Probably the toughest trip that I did. Tougher because of the topography, you know, being at sea level, being at two miles above sea level. The yeah, so it's a little bit more difficult, going, right? You know, from 90 degrees and 90% humidity to 15 degrees in Kyrgyzstan to, um, you know, it was uh, 117 in Turkmenistan to... You know, just everything and doing all of this, the smog of China. I mean, it was just an intense ordeal again in, in five months, in four and a half, five months. And yeah, so it was and cycling and the group didn't get along, you know, so. I oh, mean, why? Every, why didn't they get, wrong, get along? Why didn't hard, they get yeah, along? Why didn't they? Eh, some people are just dicks. Yeah. Sometimes it's you. I mean, you know, shit. I mean, it's just we didn't get along. We didn't get along on the first day and it just got worse <laughs> ever ever since you, when you travel with somebody and you don't get along with them that's the worst it is the worst man i mean i've been in a few bands yeah that's all i'm gonna say right you know it's when we got to the uh when we finished the africa trip i mean it was tears it was hugs it was it was oh my god you know i don't i'll never forget this it was just mm -hmm. a lot of a raw emotion a lot of raw joy when we got to that's another good name for a Asia, podcast raw joy raw joy it's a, with david hale sylvester <laughs> when we got to asia it was like yeah all right we did it let's go to fuck home i mean yeah. it was just mm -hmm. it was none of the prolonged None of it would the, the it was just very tempered, you know, yeah. at best. Mm -hmm. And um, and so when I came home from that trip, mm 
I didn't, I really didn't want to do another trip, but I also didn't want to end on this bad note. I mean, I was just like, fuck, man, if we're, you know, yeah, <laughs> if, we're, if I'm going to do an encore, I'm going to go out with one of my hits. You, know, you got it, not, yeah. Right. I'm not going to end on this shitty song. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. But then uh, I got a call from Jim Capel at ESPN and basically Jim uh, arranged it so that I could write my own story uh, of my life of hugging and high-fiving people. And Mm -hmm. I could write my own story for ESPN. And long story very short, that article ended up running on Super Bowl weekend uh, when the uh, Giants were facing the undefeated uh, New England Patriots. Yep. And so, <clears throat> I, you know, that's, I'm having a really weird, I remember seeing this actually now, now I'm sitting across from you. I, I think I, I'm a huge football fan. So I'm that guy, man, yeah, you probably, how about this shit? The only reason you went to see my articles because there was the upset, you know, it was, I knew <laughs> that if the giants lost everybody, the only people that were going to go to ESPN.com, we're going to be Patriots fans. You know, yeah. This one small quadrant yeah. of the country. Uh, and no one's going to see my article. So in order for people to see my article, which, mm-hmm. I, like I said, was running on the homepage, I had to root for the Giants. I can't stand the fucking Giants. And so, but I had to root for him. And when David Tyree caught that ball on his helmet, yeah. <laughs> dude, I literally started crying because I was like, holy shit, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. These motherfuckers are going to win. And people are going to go to ESPN site, and people did go to ESPN site, and they went in droves, and I ended up getting uh, two million hits, and um, my article stayed on the homepage for almost two weeks, That's which great. is unheard of, in you know, in ESPN standards. And um, Dave was somehow able to turn an entire Super Bowl into all about himself. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, technically it's America's game, so it's our game, you know? Well, I guess America's game is baseball, right? It's my game. Is it baseball? It's all about Dave. Who cares, man? Super Bowl, you know, I remember that game though, man, that catch. There's always these moments in Super Bowls too. I mean, I remember that moment. I remember uh, the Seattle Seahawks not being able to push on the one yard line. Right. Uh, And of course, I remember the Philadelphia Eagles winning in such spectacular detail. Right. So, you know, that, the response to that article was amazing. Uh, probably the most amazing one uh, res- response was, again, I got something in the mail and I got this bracelet. In the mail. Yeah, I was admiring your uh, your jewelry there. My bangles, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, it for was the, from- For everybody morning. at home, it looks like he's like got some Thor attire on, like the mask guard, <laughs> you know what I mean? The Thor, Mr. T, whatever. I pity the fool. We'll take that too. <laughs> Clubber you know, Lang. It's funny, it's funny you say that. Clubber I just, Lang for another Rocky. Clubber Lang. I, well, apparently that's going to be Creed 3. Oh, word? And he may come back. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, oh, um, shit. you know, it's funny you say that because this guy I know, he collects uh, hey, well, memorabilia collectibles. He just came across like a whole bunch of boxes of, do you remember the Mr. T cereal box back yeah, in the day? Yeah, man. He's got them. If you Get want, out of here. I think he's charging like 52 bucks a box. Good for good for him. Yeah, good, you know what? Good for him. I'll give somebody a hundred bucks if they get it and then eat it. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I'll I want buy to say. it and then pay you fifty. <laughs> the cereal was good too, but it was, I think it was like a ripoff of like Kicks or something like that. They don't make Kicks no more. I don't think. No. But, um, but yeah, so I got this bracelet in the mail and it was uh, there was up. a note 
that said that uh, from this woman that said her mother would reread my article every time she had chemotherapy. And every oh, that's time great. Uh, that she would read my article, she would smile. And she said, I want to thank you for making my mother smile during this painful time. Mm-hmm. But also inform you, my mother has since died. And I uh, noticed she had bracelets. I think you, you, uh, that she'd want you to have this. Please keep going. And so, you know, I put this on the, I put my article on ESPN. It wasn't on semiyourdeadmotherstjewelry.com. I mean, it was just yeah. like this was. And all of a sudden, you know, again, I think just like the first trip, I think I'm doing something that is strictly about me, <laughs> you know, it's strictly for me. It's strictly my thing. But all of a sudden it is touching other people in a way that I- I'm just stunned by, you know, it's touching people in a very profound way. And, um, you know, I just wanted to do more. So, you know, based on that, I decided to bicycle across the United States again. Uh, but this time I went to do something different this time. I not only went a different route, I went from San Diego to New York, but I also uh, went and every week volunteered at a different charity. That's what's up. Fed the homeless, was at a school for blind children, a hospice, a domestic violence shelter, you know, a drug addiction center, Walter Reed Medical Center. Every every week I was with a different population and um, and I was with a different population that saw something different in my story. And so. You know, every week I'm answering different questions. You know, the people in the hospice um, are about to die in a week. So they weren't interested in too much in my past. You know, as Mm -hmm. one guy put it, I want to talk about where you're going. You know, I just want to talk about your life. What's what's happening beyond this? Because I'm I'm not going to be here to see it. So tell me tell me what you're going to do. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just that you're sitting there with these people, you know, these motherfuckers are going to die, you know? Yeah. And it's like, fuck. And they're asking these very probing questions. And it's just like, you know. It's the tough thing. It's Um, tough. Yeah, it's It's tough. tough. It's tough. It's really tough because you know what? Our time here is, is, uh, you know, it's limited. We don't know where we're going. So it's a scary thing. Uh, I see it um, every week. I go visit my grandmom in a nursing home. She's 97, and uh, I try to make as many people in there feel as good as possible. I bring my three-year-old son, which brings smile to people's faces who don't usually smile. And, you know, it's that human connection. And I think that's like what you've done so well is you've established that human connection again with people, especially in a time where it seems to be null and void. Yeah, or at least I mean, numbing itself. You know, my story has gone on beyond that. And, you know, for all everybody, you can go to my site and read all this stuff. And It's a fascinating you know, read. I highly recommend but it. But the everybody. bottom line is, is that, like you said, in, in 18 years, I have managed to uh, travel the planet off of an embrace and a high five. You know, a gesture that you see a million times in any sporting event. You know, I, that's all I'm selling. That's all I'm giving. That's all I'm doing. But it's taken me around the planet. Mm-hmm. It has, uh, I've managed to do it probably to, it's probably more than 350,000. It could be a half a million people, you know. Yeah, it uh, could be. You I don't have know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been beautiful. It has been absolutely beautiful. And in this day and age where everybody is sort of stranger danger and stuff like that, and I don't want to talk to anybody unless I know already know them in my circle of friends on my phone, 
um, you know, I've been able, I've flown right in the face of that. You know, it seems like right now, everything that I'm doing <clears throat> from hugging, which I guess everyone is getting in trouble for now, uh, going out and talking to, talking to strangers from, uh, you know, everything I'm doing is just flying in the face of just the current trends, but it's working and uh, it's connecting people and it's beautiful. It has just been beautiful. And there's a million run reasons why I shouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Too black, too poor, too foul, too, too whatever. I mean, you put, put whatever fucking word you want to put on it, you know, but I'm doing it. And it's, uh, <clears throat> and it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And I've hugged people with Confederate flags hats and I've been able to, you know, uh, talk to, as my one friend said, he said, you curse all the motherfucking time, but you speak to nuns and children and people keep wanting you to talk and curse and no one minds. And it's just like, you know, my friend is like, that's an amazing part of your story that you're able to <clears throat> just connect with people in the way that you are. And, uh, and that's it. So I think that, you know, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry about that. That's okay. Um, you know, my story is my story. You know, my story is all about me, Joe. Thank you. But what I think is important for every one of your listeners out there is that your dream can happen, you know, and it doesn't have to be something great. You know, it doesn't have to be a great dream. It doesn't have to be everything that's even well-funded. You know, I'm doing this on the shoestringiest of budgets, you know, but it can happen. My dream to see the world, my dream to connect with people, my dream to enhance the world, you know, one hug and one high five and one interaction at a time is coming true, you know, and, and that is the, what I want people to see when they go to David Sylvester.com or follow me on Instagram or something like that. Understand yeah. that the, the <clears throat> I'm living my dream and the shit ain't easy. It ain't easy. You know, it involves a lot of sit time. It involves a lot of a lot of favors. It involves a lot of calls to Joe. Hey, would you mind doing this, this, that and the other? Do me a favor. I say do me a favor, but there's no way I can repay Joe for what he's done for me. You know, for mm -hmm. the graphic or graphic stuff that he's done. I have a, another friend in Australia. Is that, how did that you, how did you meet him? Stuff. Uh, so I met Dave. Uh, actually, there, there are characters. I guess you'd say characters in this book. Um, but I worked for, uh, downtown at an mm -hmm. ad agency at an internship. And the first time I met Dave, I was at the first desk when you walked in the door. Mm -hmm. And Dave walks in, and this guy looks at me like I am the least interesting person in the world. And he goes, oh, shit. And walks past me into the boss's office. And they just start cracking up. So I immediately thought on um, the butt of a joke with this person who I've known my whole life mm -hmm. this guy who I've never met before <laughs> okay. I was like I just became a joke I never uh, heard this shit no he never heard this but so that all happened and then uh, Eric a good friend of ours who mm -hmm. works at the ad agency goes uh, can you work up this flyer uh, Dave his book is now on Amazon he just needs the Amazon logo on his flyer and he sends me the file and I open it up and it's this schmuck's face on it. And I'm like, I don't want to give him a dime of my effort. But this is my adding, you know, this is where I'm, my internship, got to learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. And as I'm working the text, actually reformatting it, I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh shit. 
I gotta know this guy. I was like, I, whatever box I put him in, whatever box he put me in, next time this I see this guy, mm-hmm. it's working. And he could have came in and looked at me like a schmuck off the street a second time, <laughs> but he came in and Eric said, "This is the guy that did your that did your flyer," and he was like, "Right on." Cool. And then over lunch, the three of us, Eric, Dave, and I, uh, watched <laughs> movie trailers, which was a because I think quite like movie trailers. Uh, Dave visiting Tag is watching some good Tom Cruise movie trailers, and uh, it, the, the Tom Cruise. Born. The friendship was born, so my my design skills have helped out Dave and a lot. Uh, different stuff, just you know, phone calls and that's great. Dave was, yeah. Uh, when I went to Australia, Dave was one of the ninety percent of the way that I got there. Was that's cool. Him. Um, I think I said oh shit because you were sitting in my desk right. oh yep. shit i've been replaced <laughs> by <laughs> that somebody that's younger than me i was me. all set to go in and do some work in this office and i was like oh shit oh shit fuck man there's so many different you know contentations of oh shit oh, well knowing dave now the, mm-hmm. the dave semester oh shit is way different than what it felt like yeah when a guy comes in that happens a lot though it happens a lot i find that i'm really turned off by things in the beginning and then i grow to love them right right it's like, oh. It's weird. Oh. Especially with music. Like, if it's a band I don't like or an artist, you know? And then all of a sudden I got their CD in my car and I'm listening to it, you know? Yeah, and that's, and knowing Dave, I mean, we, you know, we work at cafes, we work at the Whole Foods up here. And um, he can have that air about him because we are in this time where it's, you know, don't mm-hmm. talk to me. I'm here with my phone eating food at the Whole Foods yeah. food court. Don't talk to me. But if Dave and I are working, hey, miss, there's an empty chair if you feel like having, we're just talking here. I worked there for a little bit. Yeah, I worked right. for Instacart. Okay. Just mm-hmm. t- going back to what you said, name a band, since you we go off and say yeah. segways, name a band that you didn't like at first, but then all of a sudden you're like, yo, I dig them. White Stripes, did not care for them, so I'm on the MTV Music Awards. I was like, what is this shit? Two people, guitar that's out of tune. Fast forward seven years later, I'm at Madison Square Garden with my wife to be watching them. So Okay. Um Recently, Soundgarden. Uh, Soundgarden was actually my first concert. Soundgarden, I was like, this, this shit sucks. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh shit, this, this is I don't crazy. Know, I, Super Unknown was their second album, right? Yeah, and that's my that was the the concert I saw. Yeah, that was they opened was, up with Spoon I Man. Their first their first album. I was like, this Bad is, Motorfinger, yeah. Right, and I was like, this is bullshit. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I heard Super Unknown, and I was like, oh, it know, happens. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I remember I was with somebody. And I was like, what's what's this band? And they were like, it's the band you can't stand, dickhead. And I was like, oh, oh shit. That's another podcast. It's the band you can't stand, dickhead. Right. So it's, uh, <laughs> David so, yeah, so, I mean, I, yeah, that's, I just had to go on a segue. Yeah, you know, I, it happens sometimes, but I feel as if now with our phones, it's so, like you're, you, you can just swipe or you could just n- negate it. You know, you're just like, I, I ain't listening to it. You know, I'm not going to watch this person's story. I'm not going to do this. Well, I will say this. There's... <clears throat> Because I'm older, one thing I do whenever in any city that I go to, if I pass by a record store, mm-hmm. I always go in. You got it. I, I because you're not going to be around for much longer. Because you're not going to be around for much longer because those same three guys that, you know, you can go in there and hum a song and they're they know. like, oh, wait, I know what that is. Yeah. And they'll go and they're excited by it. They're excited to be this, this font of... Yeah. musical knowledge and then they're gonna 
talking to death about this. And if you like that, then it's going, you're going to love this and whatever. And this is, it's always three guys or, you know, yeah. three people, I worked at Sam know. Goody. So yeah, right. I was that guy. Like, you're right. And it's just like, sometimes, you know, right. Cause if you were at Sam Goody, cause they played instruments, sometimes somebody would play it for you and mm. it would just be like, they grab a guitar and it was just like, I love that shit. Yeah, I love yeah. that shit. Go to go to record stores, everybody. They're great places. I think the, I mean, records are making a comeback right now. Vinyl is like what people want to collect, and it's like you know. I mean, there's also going to be a viewfinder movie. You remember viewfinder from the '80s? This. Yeah. So they're making a movie out of that. I have no clue, but I'm going to pitch my idea. Basically, kid picks up a viewfinder, bam, he's transported right into that world, and he's got to get himself out. But everything that's retro is coming back in a way. But um, I miss tapes, to be honest, man. You know, I miss the treble on uh, a cassette tape. The treble in the bass you can't get on a CD, I, I feel. You know? So I still have tapes, you know, and I, I listen remember, to remember, you know... I Making tapes for girls and mixtapes, man. Like, that was oh, the most sexy tapes, thing you man. could you're do. Like, you're gonna love I made this. a mixtape for you, babe. I hated right. Tapes. It was the it was the thing that, like there's things in my life mm -hmm. I was out of the social cast for. It was sports. It was like if I struck out at baseball, I was like I don't need to do this ever again. Yeah. And the other was making mixtapes because we actually had the stereo. Yeah. Where you didn't have to. We had a tape recorder first that you we just hold up to the speaker mm -hmm. and you play the song off the radio. But then we had the tape to tape. Stereo, we got. Oh yeah, that's the best. And, and pause. Just doing, and just pausing and hitting buttons. I used to like making the covers. I'm an idiot. I'm just an idiot. I'm standing here like on like a milk mm -hmm. touching my stereo because I'm not even supposed to be using it. And I'm like, this is just horrible. Yeah, it's a lost art, bro. For me, it was like uh, I used to tape shit off the radio, man, and be like, I can't wait to hear this track. And then, like, I sometimes I wouldn't get the beginning of it, still tape it anyway, have 20 seconds of the song, you know? And, uh, you know, I guess that ties into what I was saying in the beginning, too, is, like, I think that, I mean, really, the 9-11 was the, it's the moment, really. It's the moment that changed everything, that it innocent... It's the moment that, yeah, a lot of things changed. And like I said, you know? I mean, the big thing is really looking at pictures of tragedies yeah uh, or even good times and it's just like you know when everyone's got their phone out and everyone is just looking you know, down instead of we said it on the podcast that you were with one time it's like you know if you know uh aliens jesus or some other life form shows up we ain't gonna see it because we're looking down right and i mean it's just and, and talk to talk to your neighbor talk to people talk to people yeah so you know i, I do that a lot when i go to the grocery store or something or a public place if there's a stranger i'll engage some people are very open to it. Some people are like, okay, no, no, thank you. But I mean, well, I mean, this, it's funny. The, <clears throat> so after hugging, you know, all the people that I have, people mm -hmm. are like, you know, what, what's the population that you do best with? What's, what do you do worst with? You know, the older, the better. Mm -hmm. uh, the younger generation is, you know, the, 17 to like 26 27 17 to 27 that's probably where i do the worst because they're just too cool for school or they're just like mm -hmm. i don't know you and they're just just weird kids are great kids yeah. just want you know want hugs mm -hmm. and high fives kids want to see how hard they can high five you high five me and stuff like that and you know and i'm like look hit me as hard as you can the kids get yeah. they just light up wind up <clears throat> um but the 20-somethings are just sort of, you know, as one girl in a Whole Foods in uh, Alabama told me, she's like, you're weird. <laughs> you're weird. You know, just uh, like that. 
How was it? Where and were you I in Alabama? It's like, look, I said, look, you're too, you're too young to be this fucking cynical. Where were you in Alabama? I was a, uh, Jesus, I was at a Whole Foods in Alabama, and I was in, I think I was in the middle of near Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. So I just was in Birmingham in uh, August, and uh, we we're setting up our stuff, and I went outside to talk to the locals, and like the one guy said to me, he's like, "Why the hell did you come here, man? This place is falling apart, been falling apart." I'm like, "I'm happy to be here, right? You know, I'm happy to meet you. You know, you don't have to shit on your city right away, right? But man, don't do it right away, right away. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, Christ, we'd even set up or start playing, yeah, but right. I mean." Um, as far as uh, Stingle here goes, you know, he's in that age bracket. I always felt, even when I had him, I started teaching him when he was in middle school. I felt that he was an old soul even when he was just a wee lad. Well, so good job on that, Stingle. Clear. I mean, for being Joe very. Join our friends. Yeah, because he's got that old soul me. mentality, right? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, fuck that. He, well, also, too, it's like, I know, I, I find this a lot now. Like, people don't make eye contact no more. Stinkle makes eye contact and he maintains, right? Tom Cruise makes so much eye contact that it makes interviewers uncomfortable. I was just listening to a podcast today about it. And like, if you watch him, he stares you down. And then he takes one question and runs with that so you can't ask him anything else. Right, right. You know, but... Um, Tom Cruise loves to run. Tom Cruise. Yeah, That's God. Tom Cruise, man. Maybe a whole movie of him running, man. <laughs> you know? I said that to uh, Dave. I don't know if you've seen it. It's someone compiled. Yeah, I saw that. Run yeah. Around the world. So good. Yeah, it's so funny. Good. It's it's hilarious, man. You know, it's hard for me too, like to love Tom Cruise because it's like, dude, go see your kid, man. I know Scientology. They want you to what is it, uh, disconnect or something like that. But dog, you got a kid. You know what I mean? Like, no religion on earth is more stronger than the bond between DNA. You know? So that's for me. It was like, ah, I love uh, War of the Worlds remake though. It's like one of my favorites. Yeah, you know, but um, <clears throat> sometimes you just want your entertainment to be entertainment. When you find out too much about somebody, I don't, you know, I don't want to know. I don't want to know right. what they eat. I don't, I don't want to know what they right. buy. You know, but look, right? I don't know what you know. I don't want to know how you vote. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to know none of know, that. You know, we were talking large, a bit about that at the beginning too, yeah. and you're going to say too much, and I'm like, oh my god, you are so fucking dumb. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's weird the world we live in now too. I would never, I can't imagine being a celebrity because it's like everything you do is under scrutiny and it's under you know, like the, yeah, you have the, it I, yeah, could be the on tape. Is, you know, yeah. I mean I watched that movie about Motley Crue on Netflix and it's like they got away with murder because nobody was documenting that shit. Nobody's backstage with like a VHS camera. It's the size of this table, watching them do all that act of debauchery. You know what I mean? But uh, it is what it is. What's that? The good old days. The good old days. Yeah, when you get away with stuff, you know. See, for me, I'm so. What's that? You had a. We we had. Yeah. The iPhone came out by the time I was leaving middle school. So you were just, you know, yeah. So we weren't the generation of people watching our stuff. You were. Um, you left the house. You were. You only got in trouble if someone found out what you were doing. Yeah, you know, it's just. I miss that era, man. You know, it's like gone now forever, I feel, you know? Yeah. There's just something about, I'm so partial to the early 90s, man. I love the early 90s, so I, I wish I'd go back, you know? Have you seen the movie, the Jonah Hill? I didn't get a chance to yet. Is that, that's set you know, right? At mid-90s, mid-90s. I, yeah, in the mid-90s, but I mean, there was just something about it, man. The sense of unity, you know, like... Um, I think it was great, man. It yeah, was, it was great. I mean, like, you had everything. For me, like, it was like, okay, so like... Uh, post Cobain you know like it's like a new era I feel like after he, whatever happened to him committed suicide murdered um, 
got into it already on Facebook this week. I wrote something to, you know, show how I was feeling. A lot of people responded, got a lot of messages like, dude, he's dead because somebody murdered him. I'm like, look, I'm not talking about a murder. I'm not talking about a suicide. I'm talking about how I was affected by it. You know, I'm not a detective. You know, I'm not a private investigator. But for me, like after that, I think that I was more open towards other things because I needed to find another outlet, you know, and like I needed to find other things. And that's when I found... Uh, the Wu-Tang Clan and uh, Tribe Called Quest actually was the first two albums that I, they were came out in the same day actually uh, Enter the 36 crazy, Chambers right? yeah and Midnight Marauders two of my favorite albums of all time and uh, I think that from that it inspired me to get into rhythm and blues and I became a bass player and like just the way that that music made you feel even CNC Music Factory even Christ the Spice Girls had something to say at that time you know and it's just like I feel as if artists today what's happening to them especially musicians is that they're becoming um commodities and they're also becoming something that's lost too soon you got like nipsey hustle his funeral was today in los angeles you had mac miller pass away and like we're dealing with all this drugs and shit now and like fentanyl artists are you know it's uh you know they're the slave of the moment yeah uh where it's like i have to make this hit now that you don't get a chance to i think sort of produce an album produce and and gel as an artist i mean you know it's um yeah it's it's funny i mean you talk about kirk Cobain in that time i was just reading something about uh holes uh live through this yeah it's 25 years and uh and that was a damn good album that's i think yeah i I, think that was a damn good album but i just i just thought it was too it was odd to me at the time being 14 mm-hmm. having her album come out i think and i don't have google in front of me but it's like a week or two after he passed and the title live through this like it was so like you know it was just and i remember i, I was supposed to go see uh, nirvana at Lollapalooza that year obviously they didn't perform but hole took their spot right it was just a weird time you know it's a weird time but i mean we're here to make money right it's true, you know, See, and that, uh, that album money. was really good. And she actually, I read, this, I think I might have read the same article. She wanted to have Penny Royal T on that album. Yeah. Because she wanted that song so bad. And he's like, no, 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 that's my song. And she has a, she has a fascinating life. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What was that, uh, VH1, Behind the Music? Remember that <laughs> I think show? they should bring that back. Man. I, they should. In the so worst way that needs VH1, to come back. one I think, was normally like a 30 minute show Mm -hmm. for her it was an hour and Mm -hmm. it was just like i mean how could one woman od as many times as she did but she kept living kept living yeah hard life hard life it was just crazy the picture of the the guy at mcdonald's sucking her titty you know crazy. i forgot all about that right just like just she was out of her mind then she was out of her mind she was on those pharmaceuticals and before pharmaceuticals were actually a thing too you know is just sucking her titty at, yeah. uh, at McDonald's, and there's a picture of it. Yeah, Google it. Um, yeah, it's, at uh, work. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, and I mean she, but she was. Uh, it's just a crazy story. Uh, yeah, you know, she had her. They had an intervention for her. Yeah, and everybody at her intervention was high except for her. Yeah, and don't it, it does just like yeah. it's just like one person. She was like, I needed some courage, so I went and got high beforehand, and so she was like, I was the only one, you know, she was the only one that was sober. At that, it yeah. was just the irony and the wackiness in her life is just you know so it's just very odd. I mean, people ask me all the time because I'm a huge Nirvana fan. You know, uh, who, what do I think? And like, look, it, it, I've seen all the documentaries. You know. 
and I can't say anything because I am not a judicial. I, I'm not, you know, there's no court of law that's going to prove it or do anything. They won't release the documents. There's like all these people claiming that the shotgun shell was on the other side of his body, but they don't take into account. It could have ricocheted off the can of root beer. So many different things. Does it make a difference though? Yeah, I guess, but it affected me in a way that changed the trajectory of my life that I went that way instead. You know, I easily could have went down, you know, uh, the path that so many of my friends they passed away from drugs and stuff like that but instead I just chose to live you know it's just right. you know get out there and then I became a teacher and I guess that te- teaching was like my my form of uh giving a hug without like actually physically touching a kid because right. I gotta be honest like in hindsight now looking back I really wasn't into the education thing as much as I wasn't to helping kids right you know what I mean because I was that kid I was disturbed and I was like uh you know I just wasn't right and there was nobody I could relate to right you know but I mean as far as like everything that you've detailed in this podcast I mean I think you should you should keep going you know without a doubt well, thanks. I mean, that is the plan. The uh, the next trip that I'm planning is to hug the world in 80 days. Uh, one big 80-day uh, trip. Um, actually, 77 days. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, mm-hmm. To bring me back right before Thanksgiving. 80 um, sounds cool, though. Around the world in 80 yeah, days. You know, you know, take a, you know, I'm stealing. <laughs> so, <laughs> 79 around the world and in 80 half. days. Yeah. Uh, beginning on September 12th and going uh, and having hug and high five events in um on every continent um except antarctica and just trying to bring the bring some more connections to the world and some more smiles to the world uh so the plan is to do something on september 12th at the 9-11 memorial and then pretty much get on a plane the next day go to ireland do something there and then you know uh london paris spain you know just go go all over the world do you document this like on your instagram story yeah or, well know? not on my instagram story i am not good on instagram story i'm getting better take single with at instagram and that's, that is that's the plan and so it's um document it's, that um you know so i'll edit the, the footage. human high five i'll do it for free the human high five um it is uh that is the plan to uh to just do more of what i can to make the world to make the world better you know, and <clears throat> I think that, again, for anybody that's listening to this, you know, you've listened to my story, but what I want you to do is now think about your story. Think about the greater things that you can do. Think about the the bigger you that's out there. You know, nothing that I've done uh, did I prepare for. Nothing that I've done have I been uniquely trained for. And so in 18 years, I've managed to see the world uh, write a best-selling book, make an award-winning documentary, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, give speeches all over, uh, give a commencement address. I've done a ton of things, um, and I didn't train for any of those things. I did those things because I wanted to. I did those things because I employed my own will to learn. You know, I uh, I read a lot, you know, and I busted my ass, and uh And that means that whatever your dream is out there, it means you can do it too. It's not easy. Again, let me just say it is not easy, but it can be done. Um, And, you know, as you listen to my story, just uh, just be encouraged, you know, of your own dreams, of your own passions. And, 
you know, the only other thing I, I imagine this is wrapping up now. Are we done? Sure. Close? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I'll keep, keep talking. Shit. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I think the one thing, you know, <clears throat> I'm not Oprah. You know, I can't give everybody a car. I don't have a big show or a big platform or anything like that. But I will say this, that if you anybody that's listening, if you find yourself down, if you find yourself doubting in life, if you find yourself, you know, wondering, sort of stalled out and you need someone to talk to, just give me a call. 267-252-1974 is my phone number. Again, that's 267-252-1974. I can't, uh, I probably can't solve many of your problems, maybe even any of your problems, but I can promise that I'll listen. And I think a lot of times that's all that we need. You know, again, I'm going around the world hugging and high-fiving. That is a momentary clasp of acknowledgement and an uplifting, you know, smack, you know, and that's it. And I think that's what most people need in order to get a burst of energy, a little bit of comfort and sort of right their own personal ship and continue on. And, uh, and if you need a little bit more, maybe you do need a phone conversation with me or somebody else. Um, and I'll do that and I'll do that for you. I'll do that for anybody. And so, um, you know, that is what I, that's, that's what my story is. You know, it's not the hugs and the high fives. It's not the bicycling. It's not whatever. It's just one dude reaching out to people, trying to make those that he encounters better. That really is it, man. You know, you said uh, earlier you don't have any kids, but the way I see it now is that uh, the people of the world are your children. You know what I mean? Like, you got to get out there. call me for child support. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> for those out there, that's not going to be part of the equation. But, Shit, you know, I ain't got no money. <laughs> I was totally uh, inspired reading everything today that I did. Uh, I believe that the world needs more people like David Hale Sylvester. I, I believe that anybody that's listening to this podcast can go out and do something nice for somebody else. You know, I know Stinkle's got a really big heart, you know, and uh, I could see it on him every time he walks into the lounge here to do a podcast, you know, that he's just on that level and i'd like to see more people do stuff like that you know hold the door for somebody talk to somebody help somebody with their bags man at the grocery store it's an old thing that people have done for you know a couple couple years and it's just, you know what i mean it makes people feel good you know do something for somebody don't ask for anything make them feel good i heartedly agree and i tell you what let's take a couple of minutes or whatever let's think of different ways so you said hold the door for somebody hold the door for somebody um, um buy somebody's coffee that's behind you in yeah. line mm-hmm. you know and uh, then just travel off as right. that mysterious say, hey, person listen, man i got i got their cup of coffee um what else you got you know i hate people <laughs> 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 don't kill them yeah, right. yeah. don't put them in your basement right um what else can you do i mean i'm to, to think about the things that i've gotten from you because like Dave's told people before, you know, I mean, you can tell them what you always tell people what I told you. Uh, <laughs> when, we were, when we were playing in Australia, the Australian trip. Joe uh, gave me a logo uh, for my uh, for my tour that I didn't see until I got back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Joe told me, he said point blank, he said, look, man, you know, I hate people. He said, but you love people, man, and I will do what I can to help you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And so, and Joe is, that's Joe's contribution. You know, it doesn't have to be this overt thing. Yeah. You know, maybe you're a behind the scenes person. Fuck it. Be behind the scenes and shit like that. Yeah, it still works, you know? You know, look Mm -hmm. at the third person in line and say, look, I'll buy that motherfucker's coffee. Yeah, you know. You know, um, excuse me, but there's things that you can do to just 
just make the world smile, make the world better in the way that you can, you know, it's, um, and that's, and that's, and it comes back on you. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it really is true. About what I mean, happens. karma I mean, is such a one real quick story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, uh, this year I gave a, uh, a hug and high five party in Belfouche, South Dakota for oh, wow. Valentine's day. It's the geographic center of the country given Alaska and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to give a, you know, a, you know, a Valentine's Day party at the heart of the country. And it was a beautiful thing. And I contacted a senior center and the executive director at the senior center at first thought it was a little, she was a little hesitant. She thought it was crazy, you know, and uh, I told her, I said, you know, here's some media links, check them out, this, that, and the other. And when I talked to her a day or so later, she was, you know, she was really excited Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't ask why, but I noticed immediately that there, she was an uptick in her exuberance about everything. And then as we were talking in the middle of everything, she just said, you know, you hugged my kids, right? And I said, what? And she said, you threw a hug party after a shooting in Olathe, Kansas, a couple years ago at a cafe. And I said, yeah, I stayed in, uh, you know, Olathe, you know, all day. I was just going around the city, hugging and high fiving people. She said, my kids are in their thirties and they live in Olathe and that was their favorite cafe. And she said, you know, my son has suffers from PTSD, you know, he got a hug from you and he doesn't really hug anybody that's that and other. And she said, you know, my family, my daughter and son are so excited that I'm going to get a hug from the real deal himself. And so based on that hug, I was only supposed to hug just at the senior center in Belfast, mm-hmm. South Dakota. But this woman, went to this one citizen, you know, went and convened the uh, special meeting of the Belfouche City Council Mm -hmm. and the Chamber of Commerce and basically said, there's something big coming here and we need to do something about it. And so she took it upon herself to expand my itinerary from just one place to this 13-hour, two-page itinerary where I was going constantly i went everywhere i went to hospitals i went to rehab centers i went to high schools i went to i went everywhere where you could think of in this town of mm-hmm. Belfouche. and it was because of really because of a hug i gave two years prior that's amazing so you know do something good you don't know how in this world we're we're all connected yeah you know Everyone wants to think that they're isolated. No, I, I, I strongly believe that everybody's connected in some way that is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it lately. It's just like, even on the way to work, when I'm looking at those people on the cell phone, somehow I am connected to each and every one of them out there in a way that is not, you can't communicate that. But I mean, we're all human. You know what I mean? We all came from some sort of magical thing. You know what I mean? Even if it's just a bunch of shit coming together to form the perfect. I mean, think about even just the cut on your body. You get cut. When you're younger, that shit heals, right? We take that shit for granted, right? Even right. the smallest little details, anybody, stuff like that, and signs you that keeps you, you know, living. Somebody or something or, you know, maybe you know, we, there's so many different ways to look at it. And I don't want to get into religion because, I mean, I believe that you should have spirituality in some shape or form. But we're really just lucky to be alive, you know, I watch yeah. this guy. His name's uh, Vinny Vegan on uh, Instagram. He's going to come on the show and he starts off every day just so excited. And he's so excited to tell you that, yep, I'm alive and you're alive. And that's a blessing, really, because, you know, what? I mean, there's a I guess it's an Irish proverb. It says, uh, do not regret getting old because some are denied the privilege. 
And I, I dig that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. I mean, listen, man. Every day that you wake up, man, you got a fucking chance. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, there's a million and one fucking reasons why I shouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm fucking mm-hmm. doing it. And the fact that I've done it <laughs> makes me super excited about, you know, about the future. You know, shit. I mean, I've traveled the world hugging motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And, and if I just about Dave's next trip, you know, there's times when, you know, I've, I've worked with Dave one-on-one uh, since the Australia trip. I think it was the first mm-hmm. one. And then subsequently he's traveled to mm-hmm. the Pulse nightclub in Orlando a few times. He's traveled all around all these tragedies, especially in America. But, um, and since then, this trip, the Around the World in 80 Days, I've mm-hmm. got probably about five phone calls from Dave where not that he was calling me saying I can't do this but just his tone and something would always turn around where it was always Dave you're doing it mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're here making this phone call this trip's happening you know there's you know we've talked about sponsors we've talked about itinerary what the hardships of it is but um, knowing the kind of guy he is and the kind of encouragement he gives mm-hmm. like we say whatever's, the, whatever's that cosmic force that since he's sending out signals, he's getting them back. Yeah. Um, you know, it, he told me, he texted me that he's going to North Dakota, North Dakota, right? For Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, next year. No, the Valentine's the, 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 the South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota. Um, when he told me that, and he was like, I got a senior center maybe. <laughs> I got a senior center maybe. And I didn't talk to him for three weeks, and he yeah. came back, and it's just the text, all caps, dude. <laughs> you know Australia we went uh, he went to Australia and he called me and he said I think he called me he said I'm in my hotel room and he's supposed to meet with Specialized of Australia the yeah. bicycle company and he goes it was the worst welcome I've ever had he goes I don't know how I'm going to do the rest of this and king of the pessimists over here I'm sure I didn't give him any great advice but no. other than Get on the plane, other go than, home. Yeah, other than you're still you. Like, he's still him. Yeah. He's still, no matter what, he left that hotel room. And I guarantee if he ate somewhere, if he went to a cafe, there were hugs and high fives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was funny because that was the first overt tour that I named the Hugs and High Five Tour. And, you know, I, I wanted to do something special for the, the trip across Australia. And uh, we were in the cafe across the street from the Union League where I work. And uh, and I was like, what should I call it? And <clears throat> you were like, hug and high five. That's, you do that shit all the time. Yeah, it's what's up. sincerely messed up because that has not been on any official record that that was my idea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you come here to the Bobcast. You know what, man? How about this? Revealed. That was uh, half of nothing is still nothing, motherfucker. Um, so, no. But in... I was like, okay, yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. <laughs> Taking that idea and then owning it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I uh, said, well, how many people do you think I should hug and high five when I'm in Australia? Mm-hmm. And he's like, shoot high, go for a thousand. That's a round number. Mm-hmm. And so I went for a thousand people in a month, you know, random people to just hug and high five. That's what's up. No, no signage, no, no, no placard, no card, no nothing. Just... Hey, do you want to? <laughs> you know, it's amazing though, because a lot of people don't get hugged. You know, right. I mean, like, um, some people don't hug fully. Some oh, people, dude, I've had um, some people like I, I, 
I learned from actually it's funny the, the connection here but um, I was on tour in 2004 with a band from Australia called Brother Mm-hmm. And uh, the lead singer's name was Hamish, and like he said, "Mate, I don't shake hands, I hug." And like you know, like I gave him one of those like you know half-assed hugs that I'm talking about, and he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, mate, your heart's got to line up with mine." And ever since then, <laughs> I try to you know if I'm giving somebody a hug, I'll try to like you know make that connection because it's like people don't do that, you know. I mean, even families, like you know, like uh, fathers who are um, too like masculine to hug their son. You know what I mean? Like, embrace them, make them feel, you know, like they're loved. And it's it's a weird thing that we just don't do. You know, the handshake bothers the shit out of me. I've had I've, I've spoke about it in numerous times in 186 episodes. The handshake was the show. People back in the day, you weren't carrying a weapon. That is why we did the handshake. Oh, I'm good. I don't have any firearms on me. I'm I'm gonna be your friend. You know what I mean? But like, handshakes now. I don't know. Like, well, I mean, like, let me see your hands real quick. You got some big ass hands, right? You could probably crush my hands. Right. I've had it's like sometimes with other men, it's like this like battle to shake the hand, crush the hand. I'm speaking of maybe this one family member. I'm not gonna say his name, but Christ, I used to like flex my hand before I'd come up and see him because I was so scared he'd crush it. You know, like yo, give me yeah, a hug, dog. I've had that. You know, I've had, you know, I've had all types of hugs. I had it's weird, right? There's so many different little, versions. One of arm it. hug. Yeah, the I one arm hug. Who, when I hug them, you're doing it wrong. Your hearts have to align. I've had the. You know, I've had all kinds of shit. I mean, yeah. probably one of the coolest is when this fat guy in um, Stillwater, Oklahoma, you know, we're hugging and uh, he started to shift his hips and his arms down lower. And I said, what's what the fuck's happening? Was he, he doing said, a Watusi or something? Oh, shit? it's happening. He said, he said, I'm picking you up. Oh, and I was man. like, what? He said, man, you uplift people. I'm lifting you up. And uh, he was this fat dude, yeah. and uh, and I was like, "Fuck, we're both going down." And uh, but he did pick me up, and uh, and it was funny. Afterwards, he rubbed his belly and he said, "Look, I'm fat, but I'm I'm sexy fat. <laughs> I can move." <laughs> and and it's uh, yeah. So I've had all types of hugs. I've been groped. I've been you know what's his face. It's yeah. It's all kinds Same. of shit has happened. <laughs> you know, you just kind of you know you put yourself out there. That's what has to happen. Well, I'm happy that you are putting yourself out there because the message is definitely going to get out there and you've been continuing to do it. How many years now has this been going? This has now been 18 years, going on my 19th year, man. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, in a lot of ways, it's funny. If if this were a kid, you know, it is time for my... uh, for my kid to, you know, go out around the world. Graduate, you know, yeah, yeah. Graduate. It's time to get this you, is their graduation up. gift to get a round the world ticket and just go. The owl's gonna leave the nest. You know That's what I mean? it, man. And so uh and we'll see what and we'll see what happens from there. Um, you know, but <clears throat> again, anybody who's listening, you know, be be hopeful yeah. about uh about your stuff. And uh, I met a guy today uh in a coffee shop and if you go to go to my Instagram, the human high five you can read about him. But one of the things that this guy asked me, this old guy who was 72, I think, um, he said, after everything you've seen, he said, you know, is the world getting, you know, better or worse? What is it? You know, and I said, I don't know. I said, but all I know is from my perspective, you know, I see enough to remain hopeful, you know, because I see goodness all over. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I like that. And, uh, and that's it. And so, you know, be whoever's listening you be that ray of goodness mm-hmm. for somebody that ray of hope for somebody you be that person you know that makes the difference you know it's uh you know everyone thinks that you know the world needs a hero 
It needs, uh, you know, Superman. Nah, you don't need Superman. You just need, you know, Clark Kent. Clark Kent's a bad motherfucker, man. You know, Clark Kent can do a lot of shit, you know, and, uh, and that's it. And so be the Clark Kent's out there and, you know, and be heroic in that way, you know. And so it's, uh, you know, do good out there, you know, and uh, in the process of doing good, in the process of helping others and stuff like that, <clears throat> excuse me, in your own way. It doesn't have to be this grand gesture, you know. You can, you definitely sleep easy at night. You definitely, at the end of the day, you say, hey, listen, man, I'm doing something. You know, I mean, yeah. every, everyone has seen that person. Well, no one gives a shit. You know, no one wants to be around that person. They're nah. just so despondent. You know, be the person that says, hey, look, I'm doing what I can. You know, and uh, and that's it. And so, you know, and I've had people say, well, what are you, what's a hug really doing? All right, motherfucker, you know, I'm... Making I'm out smile. here. I'm doing, I'm doing this. It. I'm doing that. Right. I'm doing, you know, and that's it. And I, I save my peace and I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'm cool. I'm cool with it. And I think about, like, you know, there's kind of people that don't need a hug right now. Yeah. You're, you know, there's... Well, they probably do, but they just don't know it. Right. And you don't know what, at what point in your life, you know, I'm sure people, there was enough smug jerks going into Pulse nightclub that night that didn't think they needed anything that, what was it, a month later, two months later that you were down there? Yep that got a hug security got no a excuse me the Pulse nightclub I was down there two days later two days later wow two days later I was there um, it was I went to um, uh, I guess a month after Texas, Texas um, the the Sutherland Springs yeah I was there I stayed there through Christmas Eve and then a month maybe a month after the Las Vegas shooting uh, that I went and I went to a high school. It's too so. many, too many fucking shootings. It is too know? many shootings. I mean, the uh, yeah. <clears throat> out of all the places that I've been, the, the the church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, that was the toughest. That was the toughest. I one can imagine yeah. because it's such a small church. It's yeah. like imagine an old schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you look at, you know this this church where the sanctuary that only had one way in and one way out. The people that were in there had no chance. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's uh, the guy walked in. They're obviously looking at the front of the church. He just starts spraying, and he's just, you know, these people had no chance. No chance at all, yeah. And that was intense because not only because of that, because I also met the intended target who didn't go to church that day. No, oh, wow. Um, and that was intense, you know, to yeah. meet this woman that is just like, you know, you know, yeah. The guy wanted to kill her, but instead killed, you know, whatever, 40 people, 40 other people. I mean, it's it's just crazy. So what's so great about it is that hugging and high-fiving is so simple that it's not, you know, it's not the political aspect of Sutherland. It's not the political aspect. Of yeah, there's no political it's, affiliation towards a hug. Yeah, it's any language. Yeah, and I make sure I stay out of that. Yeah, you got it. Right. You got it. Yeah. You know, it's like I have, a, as I told somebody, I said, look, I have opinions on everything but yeah I'm, that's not you're not here, here for that you're not here for that yeah I'm here to hug you I'm here to hug you and i had that luxury of being a teacher you're just not supposed to put your two cents into like uh you know political you know i mean i was teaching when george w was in office you know right and uh you know i didn't agree with some of that stuff but i mean if you're gonna help people politics ain't the way to go you know what i mean being on the human level hugging high-fiving podcasting talking about the human condition especially talking about mental health um putting your number out there for everybody i think is a fantastic thing um we need more of that because a lot of people are suffering and they're suffering in silence and when it comes to mental health there's just no way to determine you know what will happen next um 
somebody could be listening to this could potentially be somebody that could be a victim of uh, you know something like this or maybe it's somebody who is a shooter that's thinking i don't know why i feel this way you can get help you know what i mean like you don't have to to go down that dark route you know because it all takes really is one bad day i mean for some of these people or it's this mental like illness it's it's numerous things that we don't know yet and i feel as if we may get to it we may be able to figure it out you know as technology increases perhaps we'll be able to see more into people's brains what what they're thinking uh algorithms to determine where mental illness begins why somebody would want to take somebody else's life eliminate the sociopathic gene i'd be down for that if technology works you know what i mean stop the violence you know and like start hugging each other you know yeah no but um you know it's uh it's been a good hour and a half talking to you two guys uh stingle i really appreciate you uh bringing david here um so we could talk about things um i'm actually waiting i'm going to take a look you can buy traveling at the speed of life on your website as well you can get it on amazon my website's being uh reworked right now okay so. i see and then uh there's going to be a graphic novel coming out the real life uh, the adventures of big dave at some point down the line and it's um also just wrote a book of short stories that'll be published soon okay you know and again just real quick i mean it's just i never knew i was a writer yeah <laughs> i never i never knew but, you gotta find inspiration to get there you know you know right and it's just um you know i think again it sounds hokey but i mean there's there's greatness inside of all of us great you know potential inside of all of us it's just waiting for you to just just tap into it mm-hmm. you know don't be afraid of it man just go go there you know and it's um and the glory that you want is Everyone thinks, oh, it's about selling a million copies or this or that and the other. No, I mean, it's just about creating, you know, it's just about creating and that's it. And if it, if it sells, it sells, if it doesn't, it doesn't, but you know, it's just, uh, you, you create it. And I think that's, that's, that's a reward unto itself. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's just great. And it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a thrill to say I'm an author, you know, it's a thrill to say, you know, I'm a best-selling author. It's, I mean, that's that's kind of cool. And you know, and to to go from author to best-selling, I mean, that's all. That's not the writing aspect. That's just the hustle of selling that shit and getting it the fuck out there. I mean, yeah. you know, if you were in a band promoting and shit like that and selling yeah. CDs or you know whatever it is, tapes or whatever, person to person, I mean, fuck, man, that's that's hard work. That's that's hard work, but I find it thrilling, and it's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's it, you know, there's something to be said about any form of work, or if there's something you want to do that you don't do. You know, I meet people now who are like in their 60s and 70s, like oh, I ne- never went there, never did that, should have done that. Well, you're still right. breathing, right? Age is just right. a state of mind. Keep your body right. healthy. You know what I mean? Right. You know, um, what did uh, <clears throat> excuse me? It's uh, who said? Oh shit! Who was it? Eh, it doesn't matter. But it's the things that you don't do. It, yeah, it really that, is. It comes down to it, that, you know. That really keep you up at night. That you regret. That you're like, fuck. I should have talked to her. Yeah, you know you what know? I mean. Yeah, you got it. Talk to her. Talk to him. Right. You know, I buy that dog you saw in the store that you're like, ah, oh, I should have got him. Shit, man. I buy that book. You know what right. I mean? I should have. You know. Go right. see that Tom Cruise movie. Right. I right. should have. Right. right. Most important. That's it, man. Go see. But yeah, it. there's something to be said about that. Just get out there and do it, you know. And then like get out there as as we we spoke about uh, about a half hour ago. Do something kind for somebody. Do it this weekend. Do it after you listen to this podcast. I want you to leave wherever you're listening to it. If you're in bed or if you're at your desk at your job or if you're in your car, 
find the next person that needs help, you know? And then let us know about it. Yeah. Contact us. Hit up the Human High Five hit on Instagram. Human High Five. Hit up your site. Yeah. You know, and tell us about it. Tell it. Tell us. Tell us about it. Go directly to Stingle's house, knock on the door. <laughs> You'll get there. You know, just tell it's us. It's that your old soul's fighting with the tell new us soul. about it, man. You know, make yeah. that connection real. Tell us, you know, tell us what you did mm-hmm. and, you know, and that, and that's it. Yeah. You know? yeah. In a hundred words or less. Do the David Hale Sylvester method that I learned, which is if you're by yourself in any capacity, in the cafe, in the library, wherever you are now, um, when you don't have your headphones in, if you have them in, take them out and just look to the next person you see that's also sitting by themselves and just say, hey, we're just sitting here. Or, hey, I'm just sitting here. If you want to pull up a chair. You want to join me. You want to join, yeah. And you know what? And even mm. after that, because they're probably going to say no, because they probably will, when you leave, you're going to say, have a nice day, because you're probably a polite person. If you're yeah. a fan of the Bobcast, you're probably a nice person. You're going to say, have a nice day. They're going to say, have a nice day, too. Yeah, and it makes you feel really good about yourself, you know? And it goes a long way. It's better than any other dopamine that you could get from buying something or going to the the theater or eating your favorite piece of chocolate. I often find that when I'm helping people, I I feel at my best. You know, um, the last concert I did in December, I donated all the proceeds to Toys for Tots. Uh, I was mortified when I found out on December the 23rd that they were all closed. And I had a, a trunk full of toys, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I could give them to my son, give them to other family members. Nope, I got to find something. And uh, I found a homeless shelter in Narstown. I went up there and um, just gave them the whole bag. And they were, they were like, who are you? I was like, it don't matter. Just take these toys. You know what I mean? And it felt great when I left there, you know? It felt better than any Christmas present that I gave or got, you know? And, like, I believe that um, more people should do that, and it will make the world a better place, you know? Um, the website is www.davidhalesylvester.com. The book is Traveling at the Speed of Life. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming down here. You know, Thank you so much. Um, I hope that you come back one time and we can talk maybe like after you do the 77 or 80 days, right? 77 days, man. 77 days, man. You know, I, I'm totally down to hear that story. And uh, Stengel, as always, I'm you're always welcome here in the lounge. <laughs> you're going to live it. I want to I see uh, pictures from the road. That's it. Cool. My name is Bob. This has been another episode of... Bobcast.